morning is going to be God. We're going to learn, I can't say all about God, because we'll be here for an eternity. So in one Sunday, during a sermon time, we're going to just look at attributes of God. I'm basing my sermon on Colossians 1 verse 15. And I want to read you the whole of that passage and then we'll look specifically at verse 15. Colossians 1 verse 15. He that is Christ is the image of the invisible God, the first dawn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his, Christ, of his cross. So we're going to base what we're looking at this morning on this verse, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If you know me, you'll know that I love aircraft. And um, with the latest stealth technology, various aircraft have been developed. And I'll put a few examples of you for you over here. <clears throat> Interesting thing with stealth aircraft is they stealth, they stealthy because they interrupt the radar signal which is received back at a radar station. And because of their specific shape, they scatter the reflection or the signal all over the place except back to the station. And so that's kind of how they become stealthy. And the only radar signature you might see for a whole aircraft is the radar signature the size of a hawk. That's how small it's become now. And they're trying to work down to a sparrow. And so imagine that you're looking at your radar screen and you're trying to find aircraft coming in. But you need to know what you're looking for. And if you know what you're looking for, you'd be able to recognize that this is an aircraft. And so you need to know the characteristic of the aircraft. For instance, aircraft fly mostly in straight lines at very high speed and mostly at high altitude. Not always though. And so if you see something travelling at Mach 2.2, you know it's not a hawk. Unless you're not very clever. And if it flies at a constant altitude, then most probably it's not a hawk either. Because hawks change their altitudes. And so you need to know these aircraft well. And there are other tests that they put them through. But the stealth technology became so good that they couldn't actually pick them up on radar when they first started developing all this. And so they had to unstealth the aircraft by making it, they call it a dirty image again, by 
putting stuff on it so that the radar could actually see it. Otherwise, the aircraft came by and went and no one knew it was there. So you, could, you couldn't do the test. So they had to unstealth it. Now, I'm not here to speak about aircraft. Why am I speaking about this? Well, there's a, a principle here for us, you see. If we are to know God at all, He, has, he had to unstealth Himself. Is God the invisible? And I don't know about you, but I can't see invisible things. My wife can. If we are to know God at all, it is necessary that He revealed Himself to us. And what can be known about God is plain to people, says the Apostle Paul, because God has shown it to them. God chooses to unself himself to mankind. And he does that through direct revelation, through truth that he reveals to us in the word, and he also does that through indirect revelation, through nature. And you only need to walk outside on a beautiful summer's evening, see the stars, and know God is alive. And so, he reveals himself with some of his characteristics. Not all. Because some of his characteristics are hidden from us. We don't know everything about God, because otherwise we'd be God. He reveals some of his characteristics to us. And they call these attributes. And we can never fully understand God because He is incomprehensible. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. That's how great God is. So as man and woman, we can never know God fully because we'd be God. That beautiful hymn, and we're going to be looking at the lines of the hymn just to give us a bit of structure this morning. Otherwise, there's so much we must speak of. So we're going to be using this hymn, Immortal Invisible, written by Walter Chalmers Smith back in 1824 from the great Scottish city of Aberdeen. That's was very bad Scots. He tried to express the inexpressible, the inexpressible. He tried to put into words something which was very hard to express. Who is God? And he tried to put into words the very nature of God. And the more we study God's characteristics through this hymn, the more He will be revealed to us, I pray this morning. And the more we will be able to know what He's like. And so we'll praise Him with hearts that are grateful. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And we're going to go through some of the lines, most of the lines of this hymn. So, firstly, so this is my first 20 point sermon. I've never done one. Dave has, I think, but I haven't done one. So this is a first for me. The first line of the hymn says, Immortal, invisible, God only wise. God is immortal. He cannot die. As opposed to us, if you look in the mirror again, he always has been, always will be. Deuteronomy 32 verse 40. This is God speaking about himself, so this must be true. He says, 
I lift my hand to heaven and solemnly swear, as surely as I live forever. God is a being who is immortal. He can't die. He's invisible. Way back in the, when I learned children's catechism when I was three, this is what it says. Who is God? God is a spirit and has not a body like man. When I lived, you see, it was older English. John 4 verse 24 says this, God is spirit and those who worship him must therefore worship him in spirit and truth. He's not just invisible, he's God only wise. What does that mean? Does that mean as men and women we aren't wise? Not compared to God. He's all wise. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is, anyone know what it is? Infinite. His understanding is infinite. He is wise. Our hymn carries on. It says, In light inaccessible hid from our eyes. He dwells in light inaccessible hid from our eyes. You see, the Bible often speaks about God as light. He dwells in light. He doesn't dwell in darkness. Psalm 27, verse 1. Let the light... Sorry. God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 4, verse 6 says... Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. So that's the Bible speaking about God as light. But why does this hymn say he dwells in light inaccessible? It's kind of funny, isn't it? Perhaps because if the light of God were to shine upon us in full force, it would consume us. Moses experienced a bit of this in Exodus. What happened back in Exodus? He experienced just the backside of God. God had to hide him in the cleft of a rock and then pass by that rock and only show Moses the back of God. Only a little bit of God. And that was too much for Moses because when he came down that hill, his face was radiating. He saw a little part of God. And I think, and I think Scripture pushes us out to it. If we are to see God in His full glory, It would consume us. But, Scripture also says, it's just a postponement. We are going to see God with our very own eyes. I wonder what that's going to be like. As we've been studying Revelation, we learn more and more and more about God and the time to come. And there is a day when we'll stand before Him and our eyes will gaze on God and we'll be overcome and we'll fall on our knees and we'll worship Him. We'll see God in His majesty. I long for that day. But He dwells in light, inaccessible, and for now He is hid from our eyes. The hymn carries on, Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. What does that refer to? Well, if you've done Revelation, you should know a little bit now. It's referring to the vision in Daniel chapter 7 verse 9, amongst other things where Daniel sees this vision of God seated on His flaming throne. And the flame 
the, the throne had wheels of fire. And God's hair and clothing were white as snow. Glorious vision of the ancient of days. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's ancient. The hymn says, Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. You see in Hebrew that word, God Almighty, is written as El Shaddai. What does that mean? It means God the All-Powerful One. Genesis chapter 49 verse 24 describes the same title of God. The Mighty One of Jacob. The All-Powerful One. The Almighty Victorious One. What's it speaking about here? It's speaking about His omnipotence. What does omnipotence mean? It means God is, yes, all-powerful. There is no greater power than God. He is all-powerful. And the nations of the world might think they are powerful. And the Russian army might think they are powerful. And the American Navy and fleet might think that they are the most powerful. And dare I say it, the American leader might think he's the most powerful. But God says, I am omnipotent. There is no one greater than me. He is almighty, victorious. And therefore, in response, what do we do? Thy great name we praise, says the hymn. Yes? The, the hymn carries on. Unresting, unhasting, and silent as night. Think of that. Unresting, unhasting, but silent. So, how can God be unresting, never resting? How can He be at the same time not hurriedly going about or unhasting and yet be silent? How? You see, that line reminds us that God is always at work in our lives. He's always at work about His creation. But he's not hasting about it. He's a God who's controlled. His authority is controlled. Everything is done purposefully. He's never run out of time like we have. And he's silent. And he's so silent that sometimes his presence in our, his presence in our lives is so subtle that we fail to perceive. Tell me this morning, are you on the lookout for God's work, His fingerprints, the fingerprints of Almighty God in your life? Do we bother to look? Do we spend time with Him in silence? Asking His Spirit to show us where are you at work in my life, Lord? This is the unresting, unhasting, silent God. Well, perhaps we're so hurried in life and so busy that there's no more time to look for God in our lives. What else do we learn about our God? He's not wanting nor wasting. You see, what this is speaking about is our God is a self-sufficient God. And if you want the theological term for it, 
We're speaking about the aseity of God. He is self-sufficient. God is the uncaused cause. God is the uncreated creator. He said to Moses in Exodus 3, chapter, 4, chapter 3, verse 14, I am who I am. He does not need anything from us. And that's not good for our egos, is it? Because somehow we are unmissable. He does not need us to love Him like some egomaniac, and I say that reverently. But He allows us to love Him. And He wants that relationship with you and I, because He loves us. You see the difference? He does not need our love. He wants our love, because He loves us. Thou rulest in might. Here's another characteristic of God. His autonomy is absolute. Give that to a ruler on earth and they immediately become corrupt. We've seen many examples of that in human history. And there are many examples around today. And I'm not going to name any of them. There are too many. But think of the latest ones that have been in the news. Authority's gone to their heads. God rules in might. His autonomy is absolute. He alone decides what to do and nothing and no one can ever stop His purposes. What He promises to do, He will do. What He predicts will happen, will come to pass. Including what He said will still happen now. His Son is soon to return. God says, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, My purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. Isaiah chapter 9, and you can turn there with me if you would. Look at these verses. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. What does he say? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. That is what God has said will happen. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If God has said it will happen, it will happen. Isn't that a comfort to us that we serve an all-powerful God? But the line carries on, and here we see a different characteristic of God which comes in line with His, his being all-powerful. It says, Thy justice like mountains, high soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love. What does He mean here? Well, you see, even though God rules with absolute autonomy, He is perfectly righteous and just in His dealings with mankind. 
and with his created beings, including Satan. We saw that in Revelation as well. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says, He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. God is not unjust. He cannot be unjust. Only man can be that. Thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love. And just as his justice is perfect, his love towards us is perfect too. His justice is perfect. At the same time, his love towards us is perfect. Where have we seen that before? Judgment, mercy. Perfect. Psalm 103, verse 8 to 14, and you can turn there with me as well. Psalm 103, verse 8 to 14. This is what God says about His goodness to us. Listen to it. Take comfort in it this morning. This is the invisible God who's made Himself visible to us through His love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He knows how we are made. He remembers that we are dust. You take comfort in that. His clouds, which are fountains of goodness and love. And He pours out those fountains of goodness and love. His showers of blessing fall on us every single day. Sometimes we're just too blind to see it. But that's not all. Look at this. To all life thou givest, to both great and small. You see, He's the source of all things. He's the one who originated everything. He said, and it happened. And He sustains everything that exists. You might think it's your Kellogg's breakfast. But it's God who sustains you. You might think that it's your exercising every day that keeps you healthy. It is God who sustains you. He allows your muscles to work. He allows your lungs to breathe. God sustains us. Life did not just start spontaneously in the goo. Whatever evolutionists would have us believe. God is the author and the sustainer of everything that exists. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. He holds everything. And then the verse carries on. It says, In all life thou livest. Now, now, be careful. We are not pantheists. Pantheists believe that God is in everything. In other words, He's in the rocks, He's in the trees, He's in everything. No, no. Our God created everything, but He stands outside of what He's created, except for one. What? Those who've given their lives to Him, the living God comes and lives inside of us. 
That's the only and the most beautiful exception to that rule. But he is not in the rocks and the trees. He made them. And that's why even the rocks and the trees give praise to God. Yes? Are you clear on that? Because that little thing gets taught to us in this country as well. Biculturalism. Be careful of it. In all life thou livest. He is in us. He's the essence of our lives. The true life of all. There is no source of true life outside of God. You can search everywhere in this life. You can search in the excitement of life. You can search in the treasures of life. You can search in everything you might hold dear. Your motorboat, your home, your holiday house. It doesn't matter. You will not find God in those things because the true life of all exists only in Him. And therefore we blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree. And without God, we wither and perish. And whether you believe in God or not, one day, unless an accident happens to you or unless the Lord comes before, you too will wither and perish, whether you like it or not. That's the nature of man. We are but dust. And to dust we will return. I've had eight funerals this year. Many have now returned to dust. And even though we love them, we know that is what God has done through them. And we will see them one day because there's hope in that dust. He will resurrect those dust particles and reform us and reshape us. And we will be at one again with our loved ones and those who have gone before. Because of the great work of the Creator God, there's hope to be found in Him. But naught changes thee. You see, our hope for that hope that we've just been speaking about lies in the unchanging nature of God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. And this is God speaking about Himself, so it must be true. This is what He says. For I, the Lord, do not change. Now listen to this. Because I do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. You see, with the unchanging nature of God comes His unchanging patience, comes His unchanging long-suffering, comes His unchanging mercy to you and I. They don't change because God doesn't change. There's our hope. You see, they're based on who God is. And therefore, we can break out in praise like this hymn writer does. Great Father of glory, pure Father of light, thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. What's that based on? Revelation, yes, but book of Isaiah, that's where Revelation got it from. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Listen to what God says, and this is describing the angels before his throne. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1 to 4. This is Isaiah's vision of the Lord on his throne. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full 
of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. That's the God we serve. And so these angels who are before God, the angels veil their sights. Why? Because of who God is. Because of the splendour with which God is sitting there on that throne. And we too, even though we will see Him with our own eyes one day, we too will veil our sights because of His splendour. It will overcome us. I look forward to that day. All praise, and this is our response to Him, all praise we would render. Would you render praise to this God we've been looking at? And here's our plea because we're only human. We're only dust put together in this way. Wearing shirts and things. Oh, help us to see. Just only the splendor of light which hides thee from us. Yes? God is so holy and full of splendor that we can't look at Him. But He's there. And this invisible God became visible. How? He sent His Son. Our children spoke about that this morning. He, the one who was invisible, became visible to us. He unstealthed Himself. Because He chose to make Himself known to us through His Son. Jesus said to Philip, Listen to these amazing words. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Think of that. Mary saw God. The disciples saw God. Zechariah in the temple saw God after many years of praying. We too will see God. But only in your heart if you know Jesus who is God. You see, Jesus is the 100% image bearer of God because He is God. And therefore He says, if you really know Me, you will know My Father as well. From now on, You do know Him and have seen Him. And therefore, we remember Emmanuel, God with us. God, the invisible, has become visible. And as we lead up to Christmas Day specifically, when we can really just celebrate who Jesus is to us, our response needs to be, and from there on into the year, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the invisible God. Become visible to you and I. Praise Him. Let's pray. Lord our God, Thank You that You chose to reveal Yourself to us. And when we put our faith in Your Son, the very Son of God, who is God, 
you make yourself even more visible to us because you are then directly speaking to us, spirits and showing who you really are. And you pour out your love on us. You pour out your blessings on us. You pour out who you are on us. And we experience Jesus Christ in His fullness through the work of the Spirit who is God. And we experience the Trinity. Lord, may we be overcome by that truth that we know the Trinity, the triune God in person, the creator of all the universe, is with us and in us and around us and forever with us. And so, Lord, what can stop us going about what you have put before us? What terror on this earth can be too much? What pain and tribulation and trial? Because the triune God is with us and in us and revealed to us. Lord, may this reality be such a sense of exhilaration and encouragement to us that we will serve you with all the energy we have which you give to us in the first place. Be glorified through our lives. Be glorified through the praises that we give to you. Be glorified through the way that we show who Jesus is by the very lives we live in this community and wherever we might travel. Be glorified, we pray, Almighty God. Amen.